Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and once again it is time for our health discussion of the month. So I have with me my mother, Renee. Welcome. Hello, thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad you're here. And today is going to be a very important discussion, but we'll get into that in a few more minutes. But first we need to start with a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we learn what he would have us to do as far as health and healing for our bodies. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Would you like to pray or should I? Go ahead. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this fearfully and wonderfully body that you have given to us, Lord. Thank you for making it in such a way that we can fight off diseases and recover from illnesses. And we know that sometimes some people aren't so lucky in that regard. So we are so thankful for the health that you give to us. Lord, help us to continue to learn and grow more in that so that we can have the healthy bodies that you want from us. Lord, we know that you desire us to be in good health, as you say in the Bible in 1 John. And Lord, we ask that you continue to lead and guide us and help us to give up anything that would do us detriment. And we thank you so much for giving us all of the information that you have so that we can continue to learn and grow. And we ask all all these things in your wonderful, holy, precious son's name. Amen. All right, so we have all heard of the seven deadly sins, and one of those sins is gluttony. Now, what does the Bible have to say about gluttony? Well, in Proverbs 23, 2, it says, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. So that means if you can't control your appetite and you're eating too much, put a knife to your throat. Now, it doesn't mean literally cut your throat. It just means cut yourself off from eating too much. Change your ways. Right. And in the same chapter of Proverbs, verses 19 through 21, it says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and the drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. This is a very interesting verse because it mentions several different types of sins here that we all need to be aware of. But one of them is the gluttony and how gluttony brings drowsiness to us. And we will learn more about that to come. Yes. Another verse is Philippians 3.19, which is one of my favorites. And it says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. We don't want our God to be our belly. Our God is in heaven, our heavenly father. When we overeat in our gluttonous, we're putting our desires, our wants, our cravings before God. So we don't want to do that. That's a very, very powerful verse. And because it says also that whose end is destruction. So we're destroying ourselves. And in 1 Corinthians 10.31, we are told whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And overeating is not glorifying the Lord. No, it's not. And also 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20 is another great verses. And those say, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So who does our body belong to? The Lord. It's not yours? No. No, it's not. Not according to the Bible. Now, 
now we have a lot of good information in the spirit of prophecy as well that talk about gluttony, appetite. And the first one is in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 32, paragraph 2 says, The health reform I was shown is a part of the third angel's message and is just as closely connected with it as are the arm and hand with the human body. I saw that we as a people must make an advanced move in this great work. Ministers and people must act in concert. God's people are not prepared for the loud cry of the third angel. They have a work to do for themselves, which they should not leave for God to do for them. Gluttony is the prevailing sin of this age. Lustful appetite makes slaves of men and women and beclouds their intellects and stupefies their moral sensibilities to such a degree that the sacred elevated truths of God's word are not appreciated. That's very powerful. Yes. We cannot appreciate God's words when we are overindulging our appetite. That's right. Also in CD 33.1, it says, In order to be fitted for translation, the people of God should ever have the appetite in subjection to the moral and intellectual organs. The body should be servant to the mind and not the mind to the body. Right. So many people think, oh, I want this, I want that, and eat all this stuff that's not good for them and does damage to the body but that's just their mind is serving their body I also think of all of these contests out there that are encouraging people to just stuff their faces and eat as much food as possible and it's sickening that's horrible and they're doing it because they're offered some big prize or some large amount of money and it's not worth it they're not only overeating and training their stomach to do a lot of bad things which we'll get into further that's why I don't want to mention it now but they're also eating super fast which isn't good either and they're barely chewing their food all right because they have a certain amount of time sometimes to eat so much food and i've seen it before if you eat this great amount of food in such and such a time you're going to get this much money and this this and this and it's just ridiculous it's no wonder why their lifespan is shorter than most probably right and they get diseases and sicknesses from it i also think it's not entertaining whatsoever it is a disgusting thing to watch and be entertained by like watching people pig out on food and i imagine they must have to go vomit or something afterwards because they're probably sick to their stomach it's just terrible all the way around yeah nothing good comes out from those contests no nothing we're told in healthful living that as our first parents lost eden through the indulgence of appetite our only hope of regaining eden is through the firm denial of appetite and passion the controlling power of appetite will prove the ruin of thousands when if they had conquered on this point, then they would have had the moral power to gain the victory over every other temptation of Satan. But those who are slaves to appetite will fail in perfecting Christian character. Wow. That is serious. Yes, it is. If we don't control our appetites and gain the victory, we will not make it to heaven, we're told. We have to do this first before we can overcome other sins that we're struggling with. This is very grave. And it's also why I think one of the first temptations that Jesus had to overcome in the wilderness was on the point of appetite. Right. Well, like it said, our first parents lost Eden through appetite. And Eve was 
given that apple, she ate it without thinking. And then, of course, Adam, he kind of struggled, we're told, but then he ended up doing it as well. You're but- right. And in CD 70.2, it says, Ignorance is no excuse now for the transgression of law. All are bound by the most sacred obligation to God to heed the sound philosophy and genuine experience which he is not giving them in reference to health reform. He designs that the great subject of health reform shall be agitated and the public mind deeply stirred to investigate. For it is impossible for men and women with all their sinful health-destroying brain-enervating habits to discern sacred truth through which they are to be sanctified, refined, elevated, and made fit for the society of heavenly angels in the kingdom of glory. Wow. So here again, there's no excuse for what we are doing nowadays because we have so much knowledge now. There are things that we know about that people centuries ago didn't know. Right. God is not leaving us in the dark. Well, you know, we're also told in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 40, that in the judgment, we shall see how seriously God regards the violation of the laws of health. So it's a very serious thing for us to violate the laws of health in God's eyes. And in the judgment, that means if we are doing that, we will be judged for it. Yeah, so it's no small matter. And I always remember people saying, oh, it's not going to hurt. The Lord won't care if I eat this small amount of chocolate, which we will be getting into next month about chocolate. That's a sneak preview for all of you. But there's no excuse because any little amount of overindulgence is a violation of the law of health. Right. And I just had someone yesterday I was talking with, they said they were using certain ingredients and they just did it once a year and they didn't feel guilty. And I said, it's still wrong. We're told not to use those things. It doesn't matter if you do it once a year, once every five years, once a month, once every six months. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. Why not put a little bit of arsenic in your food? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you smoke a cigarette once a year or have a drink of alcohol twice a year? Sin is sin. And just because you do it once a year doesn't make it right. Look in the wilderness. It only took those people once to bite into the flesh of that uncooked meat and they were dead. Right. No second chances. They lusted terribly after it. They got it all right. Yeah. Continuing on with CD 40.1, it says many have done the body much injury by a disregard of the laws of life and they may never recover from the effects of their neglect. But even now they may repent and be converted. Man has tried to be wiser than God. He has become a law unto himself. God calls upon us to give attention to his requirements, no longer to dishonor him by dwarfing the physical, mental, and spiritual capabilities. And that is so true. Man has tried to be wiser than God, which they cannot do. People think they know better than God. Well, I can do this, you know, I can do that. But like it said, they need to repent and be converted because God is all-knowing and all-wise and if he tells us something's not good for us, we best take heed and obey it. That'd be like telling somebody who created the car that they didn't do the engine right. Like, I can't tell them 
that because I know nothing about engines. He's the one who created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows how many hairs are on our body. And just like he told Moses at the burning bush, who made man's mouth? Right. So many people think they know better than God. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up. I wanted to share something with you regarding Thanksgiving. There's a quote in the Spirit of Prophecy that is in Review and Herald, November 18, 1884, paragraph 9. It says, Thanksgiving is almost entirely perverted. Instead of being a day of solemn gladness and gratitude to God, it has become a day of jollification, self-indulgence, and gluttony. Self interposes for attention, for gratification, for indulgence. This is a Thanksgiving and oblation made to self, to the forgetfulness of God and all his benefits to us. Let nothing interpose to detract glory from God. Besides the fact that people are gluttons on Thanksgiving, they have all these dishes and we're not even supposed to have more than four dishes at a meal. So they've got 20 different things sometimes on their plate and they're making all these different types of food and everybody's got to taste everything. Yeah. And that's gluttony. That's too much. It's a terrible food combination and it upsets the stomach and it causes problems with digestion. Instead of having all of that at one Thanksgiving, you can make some of these dishes a week before Thanksgiving if you want. You know, only choose three to four kinds at the meal so that you're not overindulging your taste buds. Right. Well, we're going to have this special tofu dish I make called tofu turkey, and we'll have stuffing and potatoes and gravy, and that'll be it. Four different items. And then for breakfast, we'll have the cranberries and the pumpkin pie because those are fruits, and, and then there's our Thanksgiving meal. We can get by with much less. And in RH June 13th, 1899, paragraph 2, it says, fashionable visiting is made an occasion of gluttony. Hurtful foods and drinks are partaken in such measure as greatly to task the organs of digestion. The vital forces are called into unnecessary action in the disposal of it, which produces exhaustion and greatly disturbs the circulation of the blood. And as a result, want of vital energy is felt throughout the system. The blessings which might result from social visiting are often lost for the reason that your entertainer, instead of being profited, by your conversation is toiling over the cook stove, preparing a variety of dishes for you to feast upon. Christian men and women should never permit their influence to countenance such a course by eating of the dainties thus prepared. Let them understand that your object in visiting them is not to indulge the appetite, but that your associating together and interchange of thoughts and feelings might be a mutual blessing. The conversation should be of that elevated, ennobling character that may afterward be called to remembrance with the feelings of the highest pleasure. So basically what we were just saying, there is too many foods that hurts you, you eat too much so you get sluggish, you can't really talk about spiritual things and understand them because your body is too busy working to get rid of that food and you're spending all day in the kitchen. It's all around not good for your health. Right, it's all about gluttony. Yes. <laughs> Making all this food so they can overeat and be miserable afterwards and go to sleep. And we're also told in the Review and Herald on June 6, 1899, paragraph 10, professed Christians generally take the lead in these fashionable gatherings. Large sums of money are sacrificed to the gods of fashion and appetite. In preparing feasts of health-destroying dainties,
dainties to tempt the appetite that through this channel something may be raised for religious purposes. Thus ministers and professed Christians have acted their part and exerted their influence by precept and example in indulging in temperance and eating and in leading the people to health-destroying gluttony instead of appealing to man's reason, to his benevolence, his humanity, his nobler faculties, the most successful appeal that can be made is to the appetite. Wow, wow, wow. Health destroying gluttony. So being a glutton is destroying your health. Yes. The large sums of money are sacrificed to the gods of fashion and appetite. Well, in this case, we're talking about appetite. So people do. They spend a lot of money, like for Thanksgiving. They buy all this food and spend all this money to make all these 15, 20 different dishes. And then everybody overeats and they're destroying their body and bringing on misery to themselves. Oh, the holiday season is one of the most successful market days for people because people just spend 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 oh yes even the grocery stores they make it easier because they put all this stuff on sale and then everybody wants oh i want that oh let's buy that let's do this we have to have this because it's tradition don't let tradition stand in the way of health health is much more important than these silly traditions exactly i mean i do keep the tradition of certain things the pumpkin pie that i make is pretty healthy and the cranberries are healthy i put some apples and oranges in them so we have three fruit and the pie it's very healthy and very simple. Yes, and it's very yummy. <laughs> <laughs> In Second Selected Messages 4.13, it says the gratification of the appetite will induce men to give when otherwise they would do nothing. What a sad picture for Christians. With such sacrifice, is God well pleased? How much more acceptable to him was the widow's might? Such as follow her example from the heart will have well done. To have the blessing of heaven attend the sacrifice thus made can make the simplest offering of the highest value. So that talked about gratification of appetite induces men to give means when otherwise they would do nothing. So spending money unnecessarily. Yes, and God is not pleased. So now in Councils on Diet and Foods, it says many who discard flesh meats and other gross and injurious articles think because their food is simple and wholesome, they may indulge appetite without restraint and they eat to excess, sometimes to gluttony. This is an error. The digestive organs should not be burdened with the quantity or quality of food which it will tax the system to appropriate. So just because we're eating healthy doesn't give us permission to indulge our appetite and be a glutton. Right. There's always leftovers that you can have the next day. You don't have to eat it all in one meal. Right. <laughs> in fact, I, I like having leftovers because you do a lot of work and you prepare this nice meal and then the next day you can enjoy it again and you just have to warm it up. <laughs> exactly makes things easier. Right. It also says in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 134, custom has decreed that the food should be placed upon the table in courses. Not knowing what is coming next, one may eat a sufficiency of food, which perhaps is not the best suited to him. And then when the last course is brought on, he often ventures to overstep the bounds and take the tempting dessert, which however proves anything but good for him. If all the food intended for a meal is placed 
on the table at the beginning, one has opportunity to make the best choice. So don't save the dessert and hide it. Put it on the table with the food so everybody that's at the table knows this is the food we're having and eat a little bit of what you're being served, not eat all this food and then, oh, here's dessert. Oh, and people are already holding their stomachs and saying, oh, and then groaning and how full they are. But dessert comes and then, oh, yeah, I got to have that. I can make room for it. <laughs> yeah, that's a sin. I'll put it in my second stomach. I've heard that so many times. It's like, we only have one, unlike animals. Right. And continuing with this thought in CD 134.2 through 4, it says, Sometimes the result of overeating is felt at once. In other cases, there is no sensation of pain, but the digestive organs lose their vital force, and the foundation of physical strength is undermined. The surplus plus food burdens the system and produces morbid, feverish conditions. It calls an undue amount of blood to the stomach, causing the limbs and extremities to chill quickly. It lays a heavy tax on the digestive organs, and when these organs have accomplished their task, there is a feeling of faintness or languor. Some who are continually overeating call this all-gone feeling hunger, but it is caused by the overworked condition of the digestive digestive organs. At times, there is a numbness of the brain with disinclination to mental or physical effort. These unpleasant symptoms are felt because nature has accomplished her work at an unnecessary outlay of vital force and is thoroughly exhausted. The stomach is saying, give me rest. But with many, the faintness is interpreted as a demand for more food. So instead of giving the stomach rest, another burden is placed upon it. As a consequence, the digestive organs are often worn out when they should be capable of doing good work. Wow. This is amazing. This is before medical science caught up with her, and we will discover that as we go along, that this is exactly correlating to what doctors are saying nowadays of why overeating is bad for our body because of all of the things that it does to our body. And people are thinking they're hungry when they're not. I thought it was quite interesting how it said that the limbs and extremities, which is our arms and legs, chill quickly. So too much food can make you cold. That is very interesting. Yeah. Also the brain, how it creates that faintness, which it's very interesting because we'll learn why it has that effect on the brain later on. Some people call this all gone feeling hunger. So they think they're hungry again. And really what they need is water. But then they think, oh, I'm hungry. And then they go eat again. And huh, then it's really, like it says, an overworked condition on the digestive organs. They're just wore out completely. That's true. Okay, well now we're also told in Councils on Diet Foods, page 145, paragraph 3, Jesus, seated on the Mount of Olives, gave instruction to his disciples concerning the signs which should precede his coming. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The same sins that brought judgments upon the world in the days of Noah exist in our day. Men and women now carry their eating and drinking so far 
that it ends in gluttony and drunkenness. This prevailing sin, the indulgence of perverted appetite, inflamed the passions of men in the days of Noah and led to widespread corruption. Violence and sin reached a heaven. This moral pollution was finally swept from the earth by means of the flood. The same sins of gluttony and drunkenness benumbed the moral sensibilities of the inhabitants of Sodom, so that crime seemed to be the delight of men and women of that wicked city. Christ thus warns the world. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Wow. Amazing. So perverted appetite inflames the passions. And this is so true because when men and women eat and drink whatever they want to, their passions get ignited, which we've seen throughout this world and it's sad indeed and it is as the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and as the days of Noah it is very much so in more ways than just gluttony talked about drunkenness and that's true and we could add a whole list of things here powerful powerful information in CD 146.1 and 2 it says Christ has here left us a most important lesson he would lay before us the danger of making our eating and drinking paramount he presents the result of unrestricted strained indulgence of appetite. The moral powers are enfeebled so that sin does not appear sinful. Crime is lightly regarded and passion controls the mind until good principles and impulses are rooted out and God is blasphemed. All this is the result of eating and drinking to excess. This is the very condition of things which Christ declares will exist at his second coming. The Savior presents to us something higher to toil for the merely what we shall eat and drink and wherewithal we shall be clothed. Eating, drinking, and dressing are carried to such excess that they become crimes. They are among the marked sins of the last days and constitute a sign of Christ's soon coming. Time, money, and strength which belong to the Lord but which he has entrusted to us are wasted in superfluities of dress and luxuries for the perverted appetite which lessen vitality and bring suffering and decay. It is impossible to present our bodies a living sacrifice to God when we continually fill them with corruption and disease by our own sinful indulgence. Wow, that is powerful. This is so powerful and filled with such things. So these three things are the things that we need to work on the most. Eating, drinking, and dressing. Right. They're carried to such excess they become crimes. And people say it doesn't matter what I eat, it doesn't matter what I drink, and it doesn't matter how I dress. I can dress how I like. It's my body, I can do what I want. Yeah, people shouldn't be looking at me. Well, that's a whole nother topic, but we are accountable for how we dress because we can be stumbling blocks, especially women to men and how they dress. Doesn't excuse a man to rape a woman, but it's a contributor when they're showing things they shouldn't be showing. Yes, and that's another thing that we'll be doing at another time in the future, but 
This is amazing what perverted appetite does to the body and to our mind and how it increases crime. That is amazing. Yes, it sure is. You know, we're also told in last day events that gluttony and intemperance lie at the foundation of the great moral depravity in our world. Satan is aware of this and he's constantly tempting men and women to indulge the taste at the expense of health and even life itself. Mm-mm-mm. Eating, drinking, and dressing are made the aim of life with the world. Just such a state of things existed before the flood. And this state of dissipation is one of the marked evidences of the soon close of this earth's history. And that is true. This world is right on the brink of ending. Time is very short, I believe. People are all into the fashion of the day and also things that they can indulge in with their appetite. So this is 100% true, even more now so than in her day. Right. Satan is tempting men and women, it said, to indulge their appetites. And it's true because, like we talked about earlier, people say, I can eat a little bit more. I'll just have a small piece of pie, even though they're stuffed already. We need to be very careful. Yes, we do. And in TSDF 190.8, it says, John separated himself from friends and from the luxuries of this life. The simplicity of his dress, a garment woven of camel's hair, was a standing rebuke to the extravagance and display of the Jewish priests and of the people generally. His diet, purely vegetable of locusts and wild honey, was a rebuke to the indulgence of appetite and the gluttony that everywhere prevailed. This has been going on for centuries. Mm -hmm. Nothing new under the sun. She continues, the prophet Malachi declares, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Here the prophet describes the character of the work. Those who are to prepare the way for the second coming of Christ are represented by faithful Elijah. As John came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for Christ's first advent, the great subject of reform is to be agitated and the public mind is to be stirred. Temperance in all things is to be connected with the message, to turn the people of God from their idolatry, their gluttony, and their extravagance in dress and other things. Right. It's because there is not power in the lessons of Christ upon benevolence and in his example and the grace of God upon the heart to lead men to glorify God with their substance, that such a course must be resorted to in order to sustain the church. The injury sustained to the physical, mental, and moral health in these scenes of amusement and gluttony is not small. And the day of final reckoning will show souls lost through the influence of these scenes of gaiety and folly. That's Confrontation, page 70, paragraph 2. That is powerful. Yes. It will show souls lost through the influence of their gaiety and folly, of gluttony and all this stuff they're doing. They're going to be lost. Yeah, because they didn't want to give up the amusements of the world and the things that go along with that. And that's why it says in CD 133.2, the word of God places the sin of gluttony in the same catalog with drunkenness. So offensive was this sin in the sight of God that he gave directions to Moses that a child who would not be restrained on the point of appetite, but would gorge himself with anything his taste might crave, should be brought by his parents before the rulers of Israel and should be stoned to death. 
the condition of the glutton was considered hopeless. Wow. He would be of no use to others and was a curse to himself. No dependence could be placed upon him in anything. His influence would be ever contaminating others, and the world would be better without such a character, for his terrible defects would be perpetuated. None who have a sense of their accountability to God will allow the animal propensities to control reason. Those who do this are not Christians, whoever they may be, and however exalted their position. The injunction of Christ is, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He here shows us that we may be as perfect in our sphere as God is in his sphere. Amen. Boy, that is powerful. So the condition of the glutton was considered hopeless, so hopeless that they killed him. Yeah, that's awful. Wow. I mean, but it was for a reason because he was not going to be of any use to anybody because he was not willing to change his way. And that's what made his case hopeless because he would not change. That's very sad. And we don't do that today, but that's what they did back then. And I blame the parents for overindulging their children because that is where it starts in childhood. They let them eat between meals. They let them overeat and eat anything and just be picky eaters and cook them specific things. And it all starts with overindulging their appetite when they're young. Right. Now we're going to go into what happens when we overeat and some other things that medical science says because they have finally caught up to what the prophet was told by Jesus years ago. Now medical science is saying some of these same things, which you will be amazed to hear some of these things. Yes, how it all correlates is going to be very fascinating. Well, now we're going to talk about what medical science has to say about gluttony. Uh, new research from Mount Sinai School of Medicine sheds light on how overeating can cause a malfunction in brain and insulin signaling and lead to obesity and diabetes. Dr. Christopher Butner, who is a PhD and associate professor of medicine, in his research, his team found that overeating impairs the ability of brain insulin to suppress the breakdown of fat and tissue. So I thought that was quite interesting. It is very interesting. It also supports the fact of what the spirit of prophecy was saying how it lets the body become sluggish because the brain is overworked and how you can't function. Right. And so now I'm going to ask you a question, Kayla. What happens to your body when you overeat? Well, several things. One of which is overeating causes the stomach to expand beyond its normal size to adjust to the large amount of food. The expanded stomach pushes against other organs, making you very uncomfortable. And this discomfort can take the form of feeling tired, sluggish, or drowsy, and your clothes also may feel tight as well. Right. Well, it also, eating too much food requires your organs to work much harder. They secrete extra hormones and enzymes to break the food down. And to break the food down, the stomach produces what's called hydrochloric acid. And if you overeat, this acid may back up into the esophagus, resulting in heartburn. Consuming too much food that is high in fat, like pizza and cheeseburgers, make you more susceptible to heartburn. Well, luckily, we don't eat those types of foods ourselves because we're plant-based, but those that do, you can also get it from eating too much of any kind of food. It can cause heartburn. And so your stomach can produce gas, leaving you with an uncomfortable, full feeling. And your metabolism may speed up as it tries to burn off those extra calories. So you may experience feelings of being hot and sweaty and even being dizzy. 
Wow, those are really some interesting things that happen when we overeat. So what about the long-term effects of overeating? Let's talk about that a little bit. When you eat, your body uses some of the calories you consume for energy, and the rest are stored as fat. Consuming more calories than you burn, of course, causes you to be overweight or obese. And this increases your risk for cancer and other chronic health problems. Overeating, especially unhealthy foods, can take its toll on your digestive system. And the digestive enzymes are only available in a limited quantity. So the larger the amount of food you eat, the longer it takes for you to digest. And if you overeat frequently over time, this slows the digestive process and which means the food you eat will remain in your stomach for a longer period of time and will more likely be turned into fat. Wow. Overeating can really impact your sleep as well. Your circadian clock, which controls your sleep cycles, causes your sleep and hunger hormone levels to rise and fall throughout the day. Overeating can upset this rhythm, making it hard for you to sleep at night. Mm. I thought that was very interesting. This is all very interesting. This is why it's very important that we do not not overeat. Right. And what are some ways that we can stop overeating? Well, number one is prayer. Yes, prayer is absolutely what you're going to need. You need the Lord to help you overcome any sin. And we need to learn how to get the right proportions on our plate. So serving size needs to be cut way down. Right. We need to pay attention to portion sizes and eat sensibly when we eat at mealtime and avoid processed foods, which can easily be overeaten and especially junk foods like chips and those kinds of things that people eat those are addicting and you can't just eat four or five or one you start eating them and pretty soon the bag's gone not unless you have really great self-control right that is why you need to fill up on fresh fruits at one meal and vegetables at another meal because we don't mix and we'll get into that later but they provide a lot of fiber and will keep you full between meals so that way it'll decrease the need for snacking which we learned in another podcast is very bad for you right also what you can do is take a salad plate instead of a dinner plate a smaller plate and it will help you control your portion sizes and no going back for seconds that's another way to refrain from overeating you just take what you're going to eat the first time and tell yourself that's it I'm not having seconds now I'm going to tell you something that may be hard at first to do but this is very important you need to avoid distractions when you eat such as watching tv or using your computer or other electronic devices you need to focus on the meal itself and allow you to be more aware when you're full right also if you are with a family it's good to eat your meals together because it encourages conversation which helps the meal to digest better as well well it makes you slow down because if you eat slowly also put your fork down between bites and that will help you to slow down and make it easier to realize when you're full because it takes the brain about 15 to 20 minutes to signal to your stomach you're full so if you woof down all this food in 10 minutes your brain hasn't said you're full yet and you still think you're hungry so you eat more and then after that 20 minutes or so then you're like oh I'm really stuffed now and that's why you don't need the distractions of your electronical devices around you because you get involved in this world of what's going on in whatever you're doing and you're just senselessly eating and not even realizing and before you know it you're done right exactly okay another thing you can do to stop overeating is plan your meals ahead of time decide what you're going to have and get it all ready 
ready and in your mind and prepare for that and decide that this is what I'm going to eat and no more. And also keeping a food journal can help you notice any negative habits that you have. That can also help you to realize what you're doing wrong and how you're eating and if you're eating too much and too fast and things like that. So anyway, all these things that we just talked about are things that we've already been told by God through the prophet Ellen White in the Spirit of Prophecy. So it's amazing that science is saying the same things that we already were told and know about. Yes, and society, especially our society, is geared toward fast food. So eat quickly, you don't get very long breaks, and you need to eat it fast. It is gearing you toward this overindulgence of appetite. And that's why I really like, in some countries of Europe, they take two hours for your lunch break because they know the importance of enjoying your meal, letting it digest, and that way you're not so sluggish and you have time to sit down, eat the meal, and be done. Another thing that that I forgot to mention is that when you're done eating, it's very, very good to get up and go for a walk. Not a fast walk, but a digestion walk because too many people, when they're done eating, they tend to go lay down and go to sleep. And that's one of the worst things you can do. You want to get up and move to help your digestion. You don't want to lay down because that interferes with digestion. You want to be standing up, shoulders back, go outside. And it doesn't have to be a long walk, just like 10 minutes even. That's all you need, really. You can do long and that is really good for digestion. Yes, and remember, the Lord will help you through this, so it is not impossible to overcome. So we need to especially have that time with the Lord, and remember what it says, all things are possible with the Lord. And like it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So once you know this truth, share it with others. And thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. So with all that being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.